listen, welcome to My Crazy Family. I'm so glad that you guys are here. If you're here for the first time, uh, welcome to Connect. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek. Uh, I'm the lead pastor at Connect, one of the pastors here. Really excited to start this new series where we kind of engage in conversations about marriage and family and parenting and, and the like. And so this is going to be a, a real blessing, I think, to many of you guys, and I hope that you guys are excited to be here. Today we'll focus a little bit more on the nucleus of the family, which is marriage, but it's going to have all play implications. It's going to touch all aspects of relationships. Um, you can get your worship guides out and uh, you can follow along with me. Um, we're going to get right into it uh, right away. My wife and I, um, two nights ago, we were, we were in the living room and we we're just kind of going through pictures and going through family photos, kind of just stopped watching TV, stopped talking, and I had my iPad, she had her phone, and and um, I think like an hour went by. I was just scrolling through pictures. You know, in today's world, like, we can have so many photos at our disposal, right? It's just amazing. It takes seconds, and you're just, like, looking through his histories of your life. And uh, for the most part, it was just a joy. I just was looking back, and, you know, I remember the days we'd put out these big albums, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing, these just, you know, stacks of pictures. But now it's just doot, swipe, you know, swipe, swipe, swipe. And um, over that hour, I just got really, just really happy and just grateful for, and I started pulling pictures. I still haven't finished it yet, but I'm kind of creating a little, um, you know, um, kind of little mini movie that I'll probably do or something, whatever you call it, a little project where you can put all these things together to music because there was just some that were just really popping for me. And then my wife, she's going through videos and she's kind of playing these videos and, and, and she's having a good old time all by herself, which she's very good at. She can literally just have a blast all by herself. She doesn't care if anybody's enjoying it. She's having a good time. And, and, and you know, she would, she would show me these different videos and just kind of bring us back. I'm going to show you a video of our family, you know, um, because I think, I think sometimes when you're in the kitchen, which is kind of the heart of the house, or you're sitting around the dinner table, uh, you get to see the different personalities, you know, kind of come alive in your home. How many have kids? Anybody have kids? Okay. Um, you know, how many have ever been to a family dinner? Okay. All right. Just seeing. All right. Praise the Lord. Just seeing. This is all play one way or the other. And, and in our family, like, it's almost competitive. You know, it's like, I'm actually the more subdued personality. I know, like, I, I'm seen as the public one, but literally, if you came over to our house, I'm like the guy that's like in the background, just like, I don't know these people. And so um, <laughs> here's a little video of, of our family. You get to see kind of just an everyday. Uh, experience in the Fry household from a while back. Come on. Morgan. Wow. I don't know what that was, but. <laughs> Trust me, that's mild in our house, okay? This is just the stuff we can show you, all right? But, uh, you know, it's just amazing how, like, things happen in, in, in family, and, and sometimes we can, we can show the crazy side of us. And today, the modern family, things are changing so much, you know? I heard one couple say, my husband and I, 
we both work and, you know, we do a lot of, you know, the family eats out a lot. We don't really eat at the kitchen table as much. And, and recently they were having a home-cooked meal and the mother was passing her three-year-old daughter a glass of milk. And the daughter looked kind of perplexed at her mom and said, I didn't order that, mom. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the world, you know, that we're in today, you know. Um, there was this, you know, there's these, these vantage points sometimes that we have in marriage and family. You know, a wife can look at it this way and a husband can look at it a completely different way, which is not, uh, it, it's pretty typical. This particular couple was, you know, thinking, you know, um, one side thought they were doing good and one side didn't think they were doing good. And so I once, the wife said, I once gave my husband the silent treatment for an entire week at the end of which he declared, honey, Look at we're doing really good. No fights. <laughs> I mean, that's the world. And so, you know, and I just think it's funny too. Sometimes it's not the immediate family. Sometimes it's relatives, and these are just small things that I know you guys can relate to. You know, things aren't good with with your relatives when you know uh, you won't even shake hands, or you know, you kind of maybe give a hygiene hello, as I like to call it. Uh, but but uh, the more classical one is when you do the cheek to cheek kiss. Like nobody kisses; it's just cheek to cheek. You know, it's just so awkward. You ever, you know what I'm talking about? You kind of go. You know, things are a little shady there. Things aren't so great, right? Anyway, because of the crazy world, I was reading this, uh, the latest parenting fads. Everybody ready for this? Latest parenting fads. Couples are waiting to announce their pregnancy until after their child has graduated from college and become a partner in a successful law firm. That's a current trend that's out there right now. Another trend is what's called the infinity womb trend. Infinity womb trend. Women are using a wide range of lamas, strength training, and yoga techniques to forcefully pre prevent their children from ever leaving the wombs, forever protecting them from the harsh realities of the world. So we're just going to get so strong they can't come out. Okay, you guys get it. All right, so... We, we, we're, we're all kind of come from crazy, you know. Um, my wife and I, we, we didn't start off on the right foot. And this may be a surprise and kind of a, 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 a telltale tell or, or uh, just kind of an authentic moment. But we were, we were married right away. Uh, we, my, my firstborn was conceived before we were married. Uh, we were one year into marriage, already had a child, and had no clue what we were doing. I mean, just absolutely had no clue what we were doing. Totally immature, ill-prepared. At least one of us was. And I couldn't understand when we first got married, you know, Stacy's like pregnant, you know, belly out to here. Just you, from behind, she looked like a toothpick. But when you turn sideways, you know, there'd just be all this belly right here. I couldn't understand why Stacy wouldn't want to follow me and watch me play basketball five times a day. You know, why, 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 why don't you want to come watch me play basketball? I'm awesome. That's what I was thinking at that particular time. Why can't I work out late at night into the wee hours of the night and then come home and everything be good? I mean, you're just, you know, you're just pregnant. You know what I mean? You're just, I mean, that's kind of the crazy, you know. And, and <laughs> Stacy had to learn to deal with me, uh, parent a baby, uh, learn kind of domestic responsibilities, learn how to clean and cook. Did I say cook? Stacey wasn't much of a cook in the beginning, okay? We had no offense, baby doll, who's in the, I'm going to be good. But, 
We did a lot of hamburger helper and we did a lot of tuna sandwiches. <laughs> tuna sandwiches, touchdown. Like you, I prayed for tuna sandwiches because I didn't want her to cook it for, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But I mean, we, we were platinum members at Subway. I mean, we, sh- we walked in, it was made. It was May. They already knew we were coming because we ate out so much when we first got married, right? So we went from dating for a year to married with a kid, and, and we, we just weren't ready. I was barely 23. She was barely 21. Uh, in today's world, that's pretty young. And, and I learned very quickly that just because you have a kid doesn't mean you're able to raise a kid. That you're responsible. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? I can remember, you know, when Devin was born, I, I, I was so, fr- I didn't know what to do. I was just clueless and, and he's crying and he's crying. And so I would lift him up over my, my head and I'd say, just tell me what you want. <laughs> he's like six months old. I'm like, just tell me what you want. And then he would, he would throw up all over my <laughs> shirt. I'll tell you what I want. <laughs> More milk. <laughs> Within two years from getting married, I was in full-time ministry under a microscope and kind of in the public spotlight. And people automatically thought that we had like the perfect little family just because we were in ministry. They thought, you know, they, they thought a pastor walked in, you know, walked on water, glowed in the dark. They were pretty convinced that Stacy was the offspring of the Virgin Mary directly <laughs> and just, you know, pure as the white driven snow and never raised her voice ever. And, 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 and life... <laughs> Life wasn't like that. Life was crazy, especially like in our marriage. Like we had issues. Um, we loved God. We, uh, we were Christians. You know, we, we wanted to have a great marriage and family. Uh, we just didn't know how. We didn't even know that we didn't know how. <laughs> we both came from imperfect homes. Neither one of our homes were homes of divorce, but the marriages were struggling marriages for the most, most of their marital life. Both of our parents on both sides had struggles in their marriages. And if not for kind of the grit that we inherited from our parents, which was fight it out to the bitter end till death do us part. <laughs> I don't believe in divorce, but I believe in murder. No, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for what we inherited from that side, you know, each side, that, with that kind of grit, we wouldn't have made it. There's no doubt Stacey and I would have made it, not a chance. And, and, and so we were struggling. And one, you know, I used to pray, and, and I used to pray for my, for, my, for my marriage. I used to pray, God, change Stacy in my marriage. <laughs> and she was praying the same probably a lot more. Uh, and, and, and eventually I began to pray, God, show me how to be a better husband. Show me how to be a better father. And when you pray sincere prayers like that, when you sincerely pray, not change someone else, but change me, God answers those kind of prayers. And I began to hear him speak to me like, okay, well, son, uh, it's good that you're praying, but you need to get some wisdom. You need to understand some things. You need to apply what I'm, what I'm going to teach you, what I'm going to tell you, and, and, and you need to put it to work. And, and over time, and I'm, I'm, some of these changes that I'm going to share with you came very slow to me, and my wife will attest to that. But over time, our marriage went from hell on earth to heaven on earth. And honestly, our marriage is the best it's ever been right now. We are, we are best friends. We love each other. We, we're blessed. We have a lot of favor in our lives. But I can, I can just tell you, it, it wasn't always that way. And it's, and it's still vulnerable. 
And it's still, it's, it's not impervious uh, to attack. And so I just want to encourage you today. You might think, no way, nothing that could be said today could change the circumstances that I'm feeling right now. And I would just say your expectations are often, if you can raise your expectations, you can increase your revelations about your relationship. Amen. So would you close your eyes? I want to pray for you and we're going to get into it quick. I'm just going to pray. But as I do, I'm asking you to open your hearts, okay? If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I pray what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. He said, I pray for you constantly. Lord, I pray for my church constantly. This, this, this church is always on my mind. And there's people in it, Lord, so many that I can't touch and talk to, but you can touch and talk to them. And I'm asking you, God, to to speak to them in Jesus' name. The glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give them spiritual wisdom and insight so that they might grow in the knowledge of God. I pray in Jesus' name for spiritual wisdom and insight on their relationships in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Here's our big idea if you're taking notes. Everything can change with a little understanding. Everything can change with a little understanding. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible talks to both sides of the marital equation, but we're going to just look at uh, what it says to husbands, but there's a principle inside this that we can extract to all relationships. In the same way, it's referencing what was said to wives, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Didn't Pastor Emmy do a great job on the subject of honor last week? How many of you here? Raise your hand for Pastor Emmy. Good, 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 good. Just as a parenthetical, if we have somebody here at Connect as a guest, I want you to know I am very, very careful about who I let talk to you. I'm a protective shepherd, so we vet them out. Uh, For the most part, I would say about 95% of the time, they're close friends. So I don't have people come in here that are not like friends or what we would call spiritual family. Emmy is like a spiritual son to me. I was preaching at his church that morning. Um, we're, I'm an overseer in his church. We're in very, very close relationships. So you need to know somebody comes in here, you need to show up at church, and you need to treat them as if they are your pastor because they're an extension of this ministry. Amen? But he did an amazing, amazing job. That Puerto Rican can preach. Anyway. <laughs> In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wives with what? Treat your wives with understanding. As you live together, she may be weaker than you, speaking of the physical aspect, but she is your equal partner. Remember this. In God, in, in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. So guys, sometimes we're, we're, we're talking to God, we're praying to God, but our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Why is that? It, it, may, it may be, don't get sad about this and don't get upset about this, but because I'm not here to call you out. I'm here to call you up. But we have to understand some things in order for our prayers to be maximized. And, and so what I see in this text is even though it's talking to husbands and even though earlier it was talking to wives, I think there's a principle inside this that applies to all relationships. The phrase in that verse, it says, treat your wives with understanding, understanding. Just say that again with me. Say understanding. I really want that to kind of permeate your spirit this morning. In Proverbs chapter 4, I saw this verse, and it was just powerful. It said this. It kind of complements this. It says, wisdom's the principal thing. Therefore, get that. Get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. In other words, uh, Peter's telling us, hey, you need to have understanding in dealing in relationships. And then the wisest man in the world is saying, hey, in all your pursuits... You want to get wisdom, but make sure in all you're getting, you get 
understanding. And so I want to help you understand something. I want to help you understand the principle of understanding. And I'm going to give you four kind of keys to help you move out of the crazy and out of the chaos into peace and, how to, and blessing and favor in your relationships. And the first kind of uh, thing we need to understand is we need to understand seasons. Everybody say seasons. This is really, really good, you guys. I hope you can get this. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, For everything and everything there is a season, and every activity under heaven, and it lists all these different things that happen, uh, you know, under, uh, under heaven on the earth. But everything has a season. There's a time for everything. The text is trying to teach us that our lives operate in seasons. I hope I can explain this right, but the reason sometimes we don't understand or embrace the seasons is because we're in a struggle or we are in kind of, we're entangled as Christians within a world system and a world structure. Try to stay with me for this as I labor to try to explain this. In other words, we're born of this world, we're born of the flesh, we're born... We're born um, kind of into this culture, and we're conditioned, born of flesh, to operate inside a world system. Um, one of the, when we're born again, so there's born of water, born of spirit. Uh, John chapter 3, there's a story of Nicodemus. Jesus and him are talking. Nicodemus and Jesus are t- talking, and Jesus says, you need to be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? I need to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's that kind of birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Once that spiritual birth takes place, you are no longer a citizen of, of the natural, but you are the citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of a different system, a different kingdom. But what happens is there's this struggle between those two systems because we're here on earth living inside this one, and it's influencing, conditioning us. We're supposed to influence and condition it. And so he tells us, basically, you live in the world, but you can't be of the world. You have to influence the world. So learn this new system. Religion comes in and tries to say, um, the system is this. Don't wear jeans. Don't go to movies. Don't watch TV. Don't wear too much makeup. Religion gets it all wrong and focuses all on the surface, nothing that matters or makes a difference. But we're called to a heaven system inside a world system to attract people to heaven. Does that make sense so far? Okay, and so the Bible's trying to teach us something inside this system. See, we live in a world that operates on chronos, which is chronometer, you know, where you're looking at tick, 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 you're looking at time, but we are born of a kingdom that operates on kairos, which is about seasons. See, what does that mean? See, you may live, you may live in time, but you progress through seasons. You live in time, but you have to learn some stuff and progress and grow in seasons. My son is in a new season. My daughter-in-law is in a new season right now. They went from flexibility and mobility. Hey, you want to go out tonight? Sure, we can go out tonight. Hey, you want to get together and, and, and have some people? Yeah, let's do that. But now they're in a new season because they have a 10-pound baby boy. And that baby boy roots you to one location for a long period of time without a lot of work. You know, and I remember just talking to my son last weekend, and, and, it, and basically all the things that were kind of coming out of him as we were navigating change was he's in a new season. Is anybody tracking with me out there? And so we have to learn not to live in time, but to embrace and progress through that season. This is why some people say, I'm 35. I should be farther along than I am right now. 
My career, I didn't want to be here. I wanted to be here. See, we're thinking through time. We're not thinking through seasons. We're thinking through chronos. We're not thinking through kairos, everybody. And so it's not, and this is why this is important, because it's not time that qualifies you to move forward. It's passing the tests in the season that does. I should get a better amen in this Catholic church right now. Come on, everybody. See, God's trying to teach you something in the season. You think it's just going to take more time. You look at somebody else and you see them move ahead faster than you did, and you wonder why that is. How come they're 30 years old and they're further down the road? It's not about Kronos. It was about Kairos. They embraced the season that they were in, and they were accelerated through that season because they identified what they were supposed to learn and learned it and moved forward. You think it's time, but it's season. It's season, everybody. So it's so important that we get this. And that's why I think God sometimes says things like, Derek, you've passed the test in the season. Now I can trust you with something bigger. Or Derek, the reason you're still here is not because you have to put in more time. The reason you're here is because you haven't faced the tests in the season. This is so true in marriage. There are definitely seasons. This is so true in parenting. This is so true in relationships. Uh, there are changes and shifts and re- rhythms and things that we need to learn, but we need to understand the season. So here's some cautions. The first caution is don't compare your season. Don't compare your season. Be careful about this. In Galatians chapter 6, it's not in your notes. Galatians 6 verses 4 and 5, it says, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are all responsible for our own conduct. See, most people spend their time not embracing the season, but comparing their relationship to someone else. This is, what I, this is the problem I have with social media. It's not the real deal. It's, it's nothing but the real thing in social media. People are, it's a highlight reel. You're not seeing what's really going on there. And so when you put your life up against that highlight reel, you're going to get disappointed and you're going to get discouraged in the process of that. Listen, ladies, sometimes you go on a Pinterest and you see this, this lady and she's cooking cupcakes and they're perfect and they're immaculate. And she tells you if you do X, Y, Z, you're going to have a cupcake like that. And you start following the recipe and your cupcakes are crumbling and your ice, icing is melting and everything's beginning to collapse and you're so upset. And you, the reason you're so upset is because you're comparing your cupcake to her and she looks like a normal homemaker but she's Betty freaking Crocker (laughs) and she's been doing this for 25 years and she had a bakery so don't compare yourself be careful that your comparing you're not comparing comparing seasons and the worst thing we can do is we do this in relationships we look at so-and-so, and we see that picture, and we say, oh, I want that, and I wish I had that. And it's, if we put, it's as if we put a poster up on our wall. And every day we say, I want a relationship like that, and I want to look like that. And, 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 and what you're really saying is, I'm not like that. And we get discouraged, and we get disappointed. People used to say that to Stacey and I at different times. They say, I wish, one, I've had many people actually over the years, it's kind of uncomfortable to say, I wish I had a family like yours. I wish I could have a family like yours. And I, that's, makes, what they're saying is that I'll measure up. I'm not good enough. And, and the truth is, <laughs> they'll be looking at a picture of our family or something like that. I want to say, you have no idea what was going on right before that picture took place. 
You see those little cute little ducklings that you thought were all perfect and just walking in a row to get into that special? No, 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 it wasn't like that. Right before that, Stacy is going around with a paddle. I so help me, God, I'll beat you. And I'm, and I'm throwing the kids back into the pile. You better get back there. You're making my life a living hell. It's going to be bad at my house if you don't obey your mom. And then click, you know, we got it. That one split second and everybody's comparing to that? See, don't think someone else's lawn is better than yours until you come to the realization you can't see the poop on their lawn from where you're sitting. Be careful about that. Are you tracking with me out there? Some of you are comparing marriages, and somebody's been married 20. We've been married almost 27 years, and you've been married 2.7 years. You're in a different season than us, and we're in a different season than you. We look at you, and you're all cuddly and cozy and finishing your other senses and singing the same music and patting each other and sitting in each other's lap and we're over here going disgusting <laughs> you're disgusting we're in a different season just kidding so don't put your season up against somebody else's season okay next one is don't outpace your season don't outpace your season now this story this particular principle comes from a story in Genesis chapter 16. And it's the story of Abraham and Sarah. And you guys know this. A Abraham and Sarah were told by God that he gave them a promise that they would have a child. Well, that's cool. But what's really crazy about this crazy family is, is that, that uh, Abraham's 99 and Sarah's 90. Hello. So Abraham's like, okay, if you, if you say so, God. And well, Sarah was like, you know what I mean? Like, she laughs. She laughs at God, and she's like, my womb is barren. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what's going on here, God. And so for a while, nothing happens. Nothing happens. God promises something, nothing happens. This is what people do. They, they decide, you know what? They get impatient, and, and Sarah gets out ahead of Abraham, and, and both of them get out ahead of God, and Sarah goes to Hagar, her servant, and says, hey, um, God gave us a promise. He's going to give us a kid, and you're going to give us the kid. I want you to sleep with my husband and then she brings, uh, Hagar uh, brings her, Sarah brings Hagar to Abraham and says, I want you to sleep with my servant and I want you to have a child with her. And Abraham's like, I mean, if you really want me to, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll take it for the team. Uh, you know, thanks, Abraham. You're a real, real winner, winner, chicken dinner. And so, so, so Abraham uh, sleeps with Hagar, has a child with Hagar, and they have a child, and his name is Ishmael. And so Ishmael um, is his firstborn son. Well, right out of that, in Acts chapter 16, excuse me, Acts, Genesis chapter 16, the Bible records that after the child was born, conflict entered the house right away. So what does that mean? Let's get into that. So so basically, Hagar starts picking at Sarah. Oh, you couldn't give your husband kids, but I could. And Sarah starts getting jealous. And Sarah starts, you know, getting contentious inside. She starts talking to Abraham. Abraham, I don't like this. I don't like this. girl's got to go. This kid's got to go. It's just bad. The household's in total disarray. And, and, and um, Abraham sends off, rejects and sends away uh, Hagar and Ishmael. And then after that, um, shortly after that, the promise is fulfilled. Sarah is pregnant. She gives birth to a son. His name is Isaac. Isaac's name means laughter, which I think is God's way of saying, I'll get the last laugh around here, Sarah. <laughs> so there's two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Everybody track it with me? Because Sarah and Abraham got out of head of God, they outpaced 
the, the, the season that they were in, there was conflict. Praise the Lord. And so Ishmael, Ishmael was the father of the Islamic faith, and Isaac's the father of the Jewish and Christian faith. What is the greatest conflict on planet Earth today? Islam versus Christianity. Whenever you outpace the place that God has, the system that you're in right now, there will always birth conflict in your life. Whenever you outpace the season you're in, there will eventually be conflict in your life. Many people don't see this or realize this. Some of you have bought some things you shouldn't have bought. You were driving by this place every single day. You saw a car, young man, and that car was calling you. Come to me. You love me. You love me. Oh, you look so good inside of this. The sun is out now. Put the top down. Chew bubble gum. Play the radio. It's going to be awesome. Three months later, psh, you're in debt up to your eyeballs. To get a little bit more personal, sometimes we wanna, we, we're, we're not embracing the season as a single and so we're, gonna, we're tired of being in the church, and there's not a good man here for me, and there's not a good woman here for me, and there's nobody here for me. So I'm going to take a break from God, I'm going to go out into the world, and I'm going to find me a man, and I'm going to find me a woman. And then I'll come back. And then you come back because you outpaced the season, you didn't embrace the tests, and there is conflict, and you wonder why. Sometimes people are doing this with stages of their finances sometimes people are doing this in stages in their relationship this is crazy but i was sitting there the other day thinking i mean gambling is just somebody outpacing their season they're not embracing their season a person who's gambling is saying i'm not going to embrace what i need to learn in the season that i'm in right now i'm going to try to get out ahead of it and there's conflict there's conflict is everybody tracking with me this is better than you're saying amen okay so here's the second thing number two amen it's the second thing. Number two, you have to understand that there are different systems. Did I ever do that one? Yeah. Systems. Nope, I didn't do that one. We need to understand systems. Now, this one has, the story here is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 6. David is bringing back what's called the Ark of the Covenant to the city of God, the holy city, Jerusalem. On the Ark of the Covenant this is a little crass way to explain it, but it's God on location. It was God in a box. So in the Old Testament, God was in the manifest presence of God was in a box. In the New Testament, we're the box. He's in us. Everywhere we go, he's with us. Everybody track it? So the Old Testament, though, there was a certain system to engage the presence of God and put the blessing and favor on our lives. And so... Um, uh, you had to have, the ark was in a certain type of box, a certain type of wood. Uh, there were these long uh, poles that you would slide through this box so that you would never, and a cart, a special cart where the ark was sat upon and these poles so that when you picked it up, you weren't touching the box. You can't, there was protocol, there were systems, you don't touch this box. There's a certain approach to even get near that. But if you had that with you, there was blessing, there was favor, there was protection, uh, there was provision for anyone who had the Ark of the Covenant with them. Is everybody tracking? And so David in 2 Samuel chapter 6, I'm not going to read these texts because it's too long. He's going to the holy city and apparently the oxen that was pulling this cart hit a little bump and the ark fell over, and as it was falling over, this guy named Uzzah, it sounds like something out of a Star Wars movie, you know, who's Uzzah? Uzzah goes to hold the box, and when he goes to keep the box from falling, he's killed. He's killed by God. He's struck dead. And David flips out. 
David's like, we were just worshiping you, God, and we were just, we were bringing the presence back, and we were celebrating you, and you killed my friend. I don't have anything to do with you. And so he sends the Ark of the Covenant to another location, to another city, to another household. Obed-Edom was his name, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's brother, Obed-Edom. <laughs> and he sends the Ark to this place, and this, while it's there for, for, for weeks and months on end, totally blessed. There's protection, there's provision, there's favor, there's blessing. Why am I telling you this? What happened? Because David had the opportunity for the presence of God to dwell in his house, for his house to be blessed, to there, for there to be protection and provision and favor, but he wouldn't fix the system. He abandoned the mission. Instead of just saying, hold up, hold up, hold up. Nobody else touched the box. There's a protocol. We can't touch that. Don't be careful, be careful, be careful. Instead of fixing what went wrong and getting back to the system God created, which was known, he abandoned the mission. Now, why am I telling you this? And, and, and th this may not be in your notes. I don't know if it is, but instead of fixing the system, he abandoned the mission. The reason that's important is because this is true in relationships. Many people are frustrated with their families and the condition of it. Many people are frustrated with their relationship. Many people are frustrated with their marriages. And what happens is we abandon the mission. We just need to fix the system. Don't abandon your, your, your marriage isn't broken. Your family isn't broken. No, you just have to fix the system and you'll fix your family. Fix the system and you'll fix your marriage. Can I have an amen? amen. And so this, people want to bail out instead of figure out what's going on in their lives. And so for me, we were married early on and Stacey and I were fighting like almost seven days a week. And then eventually it went to silence. And I thought everything's good. Let me just tell you something, gentlemen, when you go from fighting every day to silence, it ain't good. It's what we call a cold war at home, everybody, okay? And so you have to learn and understand some things about communication, about sex, uh, 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 about money. We were struggling, you know, in all of those areas, and we began to work those things out piece by piece. So you need to learn some things, Derek, is what God was telling me. And I would submit to you, some of you, you're too quick to abandon the mission for your relationship. God's trying to teach you, just fix the system. Number three, we must understand, we need to understand science. She blinded me with science. Sorry, 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 sorry. I had to get one song reference in there. See, men and women are completely different. Can I have an amen? We are created. We, we different. We think different. We look different. Um, we're, we're molded different. Um, and we're, we're wired different in every single way. Men are visual and women are emotional. Primarily, these are generalizations, okay? Sometimes men are very emotional and women are the opposite. Um, but men... We see things, we light up. We get motivated by visual. Women, we have to feel things, and as we feel them more, we become motivated and inspired. So, so when we understand the science of the differences between men and women, we can be successful. For example, ladies, you need to understand, if you step out of the shower naked and walk by us, do not be... Do not be mad at us if we chase you down into the closet and want to rendezvous. Okay? We're like, what, 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 what? You know? You know, she's like, what are you doing? You're naked, honey. You're naked. That's what people in this gender think, okay? Gentlemen, if you get out of the shower and you are naked, she's thinking, put something on. 
cover that freaking thing up. What is the matter with you? That's disgusting. We're like, what, 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 what? <laughs> See, we're highly visual. And, and, and ladies are not like us in this particular way. This creates conflict if we don't understand our differences. See, God wants us to celebrate our differences, not compete over those. And so, so, so if, if, you know, if for romance for a guy, is like, I see it, let's go. You know, for, for, for girls, it's completely different. So romance for a guy can be watch TV all day, play video games till 8.30 p.m., look at a good-looking woman, go, let's go. For a woman, it doesn't start at 8.30 p.m., it starts at 8.30 a.m. Slow cook, slow cook, slow cook, slow cook, slow cook, ding. Guys are like, you know, microwaves, not crockpots. We're like, ding. Okay? Can I have an amen? amen. See, men, men are simple. Women are complex. This is a compliment to women, so just hang on, ladies. Men are simple. I mean, we're simple. We can only do one thing at a time. Don't be upset. So, like, so if you're sitting watching a basketball game and then you're talking to him while he's watching a basketball game and he's not talking to you, it's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he doesn't care about you. It's not because he doesn't value you. It's just he cannot focus on more than one thing at a time. What he's thinking is, the basketball. Swish. Woo. You know, I mean, that's... Football, you know what I mean? And so until he breaks out of that, and oh, you're right here. Now you've got him, you've got him, you know? If his ear's pointed at you, that's not good. He's got to be looking at you, everybody. Okay, women, gentlemen, are completely different. Women could be sitting down, watching you watch a basketball game. They could be, uh, you know, writing a list for the grocery store. They could be painting their toenails. They could be texting their daughter. They could have something in the oven on a timer. They could be uh, preparing a message for the future in the background. They could be reminiscing because they're mad at you about something that happened in 1954. <laughs> All of that can be, and talking to you at the same time and not understanding why you can't talk to them. They're complex. It's, it's true with communication. Men on average, speak about 7,000 words a day. Women speak 20,000 words a day. <laughs> science, science, okay? So, ladies, if he goes to work and he works all day and he uses up 6,999 words <laughs> and he comes home and you say, honey, how was your day? Don't be mad at him if he says good because he only had one word left. <laughs> it's just science, baby. Gentlemen, you got to understand the opposite is true. If you have children under the age of two and all they speak is all you got is monosyllabic. I got to be careful. I must spit on the whole front row. If all you have is monosyllabic words coming out. And so she doesn't use 20. She uses a thousand words during the day. And then you come home. Buddy, you got 19,000 words coming your way like a tsunami. Get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> I'm just trying to help somebody up in here, up in here, up in here. Oh my gosh. See, if we understand, <laughs> I'm going to have fun one way or the other. If we understand each other, we stop trying to change each other and begin to adapt to one another, bringing peace in the home. You need to understand. Everything will change with a little understanding, everybody. Okay, here's my final point. Everybody say final point. Say it's been so good, PD. So good. 
We need to understand the spiritual. We need to understand the spiritual. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and following says, Two people, it says, two people are better than one. So it's amazing how the enemy would try to attack something that could be better. Unfortunately, some people don't think it's better. Some people think it's worse. I'm just better off by myself. My friends down in Louisiana, they say the only thing worse than being, you know, together is being by yourself, down by the bayou. That's funny. I don't care what you say. Okay, so two people, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But who, how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked. This is cool. Look at this. And defeated, but two can stand, say this with me, back to back and conquer. Now, I want to stop there because basically God's criteria is different. See, partnerships have a different criteria than relationships. Partnerships is what God is after. Partnerships, not relationships. Relationships are when two people are walking in the same direction. Partnerships are when we're back to back protecting each other. Partners can never be conquered. Partners are stronger. Two are better than one. See, we're often seeking relationships and trying to find someone who's just like us. A lot of the reasons your relationships struggle is because you're trying to make her like you and you're trying to make him like you. If they were like you and you were like them, you'd have a terrible relationship. And to the extent that you're trying to do that is why the relationship is not working. God meant for you to be partners, back-to-back in the situation. If you're going into business, you wouldn't go recruit somebody who has the same skill set, same strengths, same aptitudes as you do, and the same weaknesses, because you know, in very short order, there would be blind spots in your business, and it would be ultimately a demise to your business. Isn't it interesting that in a business relationship, we think like that, but in our marital relationship, our family relationships, and our friendships, we don't think like that. I want you to know the Bible thinks like that that. The Bible is into partnerships, not just into relationships. So don't try to find people just like you. Instead, find people who like you and help make you a better you. Amen. Amen. You want to be a better you. See, relationships the same way, that's that's the world system. But God wants partnerships living back to back, kind of side by side or back to back. That's what God has for us as we go forward. And when you see that, and when you embrace the spiritual, then suddenly the things that we look at one way are flipped. In other words, sometimes we see ourselves like this, but God says, if you could add the spiritual to your relationship, then it will be like this, hand in glove in your relationship. See, hand in glove, actually in the book of Genesis, man is called, a Hebrew word is ish, and the woman is called isha. It actually, the picture is hand in glove. It, the word is perfectly opposite. There's conflicting opposite, and there's perfectly opposite. The more that I add the spiritual to my relationship with Stacy, the more I realize we are perfectly opposite of each other. It works. Now our relationships are different. And suddenly, when you do that, you embrace the spiritual, you will allow, you will allow, it will allow you to see that your differences are not incompatibilities, they're actually securities. 
just like in a business relationship, but at an even higher level within the context of marriage and family. These aren't incompatibilities. Why isn't he like this? I can't believe he looks at money like that. I can't believe he doesn't like the same things I like. It, it, no, these are not incompatibilities. The differences are what make you stronger. Celebrate those. The only way you can celebrate those is if you, if you transport or you travel to the highest level that's even higher than partnerships, and that is unity. Everybody say unity. And that's why the Bible told us that a threefold cord is not easily broken. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And when you have Christ at the center of your relationship, God puts favor and blessing. In fact, in Psalm 133, he says he commands a blessing on your relationship. As a father of three daughters growing up, I used to love all my girls to have long hair. It was kind of a rule. You can't cut your hair unless you talk to dad. Because I, I just loved long hair. And I used to love when they would get out of the shower, out of the bathtub, and, and, and i get to comb their hair. And they, sometimes they didn't like it, you know, because that Stacy was more like efficient. She's like, we're going to get through this. You know? <laughs> I was soft. So I just liked the process. And I had to spray that stupid stuff, whatever it is, detangler or whatever it was called. And then I just, oh, I just, it was therapeutic. But eventually, I not only learned how to comb their hair, like, you know, without killing them, I learned how to braid their hair. And, and, and I learned that basically you have to create like these three braids, but there's one central braid and one has to cross over the other, but there's always a central braid. And you need to know something. The central braid of your relationship is Christ. A threefold cord, a braid like that is not easily, it's literally like a rope. It's so strong. That's the picture. When that would be done on Madison's hair, it would just be like, this thing, you know, I could, I could throw it out a window and swing off it. That thing was so strong. It was incredible. And so we're encouraged to wrap our lives around Christ, to have Christ wrapped around us. God puts his favor on families that are built on this principle of unity. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Can you stand your feet and let me pray for you? Did you guys get something out of this this morning? This afternoon. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Yeah, you can join me, Pastor Mark. I want you everybody stand and would you just close your eyes? I want you to just take a moment here and let's look at our hearts as we pray. The reason we close our eyes is to look at our hearts. And I just want to pastor you for another 60 seconds. Let me just say this with every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, come on. Let's, let's all fall in agreement here. Is there anybody in this room that would say, I believe everything can change with a little more understanding? Is there anybody here that would fall into agreement with that? Everything can change with a little more understanding. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, you see these people's hearts. They're, they're agreeable, God. I pray that you would encourage them, Lord, that they would look at the season they're in and that they would embrace the season. Don't just try to move past it. Don't compare and don't outpace their season. God, I pray that you would show them the systems. Don't abandon the mission. Some of you are thinking about, have thought about abandoning the mission. Change the systems. Get some understanding on your marriage. Get some understanding on your parenting and your family. Stay through this whole series and learn what God wants to show you in relationships. And some of you are here today and you don't know the science. You really don't even know the difference. You have to become a student of each other. God says, God says, like he said to me, you gotta be, you gotta learn some stuff, son. And lastly, most importantly, you gotta embrace the spiritual. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life. That third chord is Jesus. You, sir, man, boy, or girl, cannot make it without Jesus in your life. 
Don't try to wrap yourself around anything else. It won't work. The only thing you can wrap yourself around that will bring the strength that you need for your life is Jesus Christ. And if you know that's, that he's speaking to you today, something's happening inside of you, and you want to invite Jesus into your life, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd ask you to boldly raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to make sure Jesus is in my life. God bless you. Is there anybody else? God bless you, sir. God bless you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you over there. That's awesome. Thank you over there. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I see your hand, honey. That's good. You can put your hand up. Sir, I saw your hand too. Thank you. Church, would you pray this prayer? And those who just raised your hand, would say this from your heart. We're going to all join with you. Say this. Say, Jesus, I choose today of my own free will to give my life, to give my heart, to give my mind to Jesus Christ. Come into my life. Make me a new creation in Christ Jesus, in relationship with you. I'm a sinner that can only be saved by grace through faith. Now let me pray for you, Father, for every person that prayed that prayer. Seal that, seal that on their heart. I pray that they know that this decision precedes becoming a disciple. Because they said yes to God of their own free will, the Bible says their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Their eternal security is secure because of their confession and accepting what Jesus did for them, not because of what they could do for themselves. But now we're not saved by our works. We're saved for good works. And I pray in Jesus' name that you enable them to live out what they're learning today because they've received grace. In Jesus' name, and all the church said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you guys. Come on, Pastor Mark. Thank you so much.